0: Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.
1: Presented by T-Mobile, the official wireless partner of Odyssey Sports. With an awesome network and great savings, there's never been a better time to join T-Mobile. Visit your neighborhood store to make the switch today.
2: Let's go to the North Olmsted Chrysler Jeep Dodge Ram Hotline. Chris Rose from the NFL Network, Browns Radio Network. Brown's preseason television, are you going to make a pilgrimage to Oxford while you're at the Scouting Combine? Hello, Chris. Uh, hello. No.
3: Ah. I will not no. Well, this is a work trip. This is a work trip, so we're doing work.
2: I thought the rose of wing of the communications facility there would yeah, be that's... something you'd want to go look at. English
3: journalism. English journalism, not communications. I have tremendous love for the people in that department, but yeah different one
1: all right second question that comes off of this quote-unquote work trip did you see Drews last night
3: well we were at a uh we were at a company dinner and i started getting texts like you know holy blankety blank and all sorts of stuff from your brothers Like, what is going on here so uh i had to go see it immediately and then i started showing it all around the place you know it was even people who didn't care—they're like, "What? Why do I care about the Cavs game?" I was like, "Well, you should, damn you, let's go!" <laughs> uh, yeah, that was pretty incredible. Uh, it was fun to kind of read about the whole comeback and Strees hitting, you know, four threes before that, and the whole bit. And yeah, it's been a—it's been pretty awesome for them since the beginning of the year. It's—it's it's fun. I don't know how well it'll carry into the playoffs, but at least for now, it's pretty
2: cool. Chris Rose joining us. He's at the Scouting Combine in Indianapolis. Your duties there include what, Chris?
3: Well, once the action starts tomorrow, and this year it'll start actually with the defensive linemen um, and then the linebackers tomorrow, and then the DBs and tight ends, I believe, on Friday. Then we move to the quarterbacks, running backs, receivers Saturday, and then the big old fellows up front finish it up on Sunday. So, you know, we'll be there covering everything. But once the drills start at 3 o'clock on, on Thursday, we we go until they end on a given day. Uh, so I'll be on the concourse level with Charles Davis and Peter Schrager and Rich and uh, Daniel Jeremiah are in the booth kind of calling the action. We have people down on the field, as always. Casey Dales will be here, Jamie Hurdall. So we got it covered. Um, you know, I mean, there's plenty of people that the Browns fans should be paying attention to on each of these days.
1: If you are a Browns fan, Chris, which position groups are you looking at to pay attention to? And if you got a couple names, we'd love to have them. If not, no worries.
3: No, no, no. Well, yeah, I mean, let's start with tomorrow, the defensive line. And we know that we've got a ton of vacancies at this point, right? I mean, what do we have, five free agents, I think, along the front line, Zedarius, and then basically every defensive tackle that has played for the Browns over the last, you know. So, you know, look at those guys tomorrow. Um, familiarize yourself. Uh, Fisk, the kid out of Florida State who started at Western Michigan, is kind of a big name. He had a really, really good senior bowl. The problem is you don't know how high guys are going to jump on lists, particularly defensive tackles, um, because there's just not an abundance of them. And the drafts haven't been filled with them in recent years. You know, you're going to see this kid, Byron Murphy from Texas. He's a physical freak. Um, He's going to be the first one most likely off the board, probably somewhere in the middle of the first round. And then it depends how many go after that. You know, whenever there's a start on a position, some people don't want to miss out. And so they might pick the position over, you know, over better players, let's just say. you know, get Sweat, his running mate at Texas is an enormous human being. So big, he didn't even want to get on the scale as a senior bowl. Uh, I imagine he will do that here. I don't think anybody would be shocked if he shows up and he weighs 370 pounds. Um, so those are a couple guys that you want to watch tomorrow. The receivers on Saturday, to me, are kind of the most interesting group because they're so deep. Um, so this kid, Javon Baker. Really interesting. He's like 6'1 Uh He's the sort of kid I think that could probably help the Browns. Um, so, you know, we'll see. There's going to be a bunch of names that you'll – here's the thing. Find some people that you're really interested in. You're like, oh, my God, and then go back and do a little research on them. Find out how productive they were in college and stuff like that.
2: Chris, I think the, the depth of the wide receiver group at the Combine is, is a real story, but I'm not sure which way it should go. Should it be that the Browns are sitting there in the second round and take the best guy, if there's somebody they absolutely love, and grab them early? Or do you think that they would be more in a wait-and-see mode and see who might drop to them in the third round if they think they need to do something else in another area? I'd love to see them jump early and get somebody they really love. I I don't like the waiting to see what's left.
3: Yeah, the hard thing is... um is that you can't talk about the draft until after the league year has started because you just don't know how it's going to shake out in free agency, right? You don't know which guys are coming back. You don't know which guys we're going to add. So what looks like a position of need right now, and it starts first and foremost, me in the middle of the defensive line might not be as big a need when we get to the draft, you know, five weeks later. So uh, it, I know it sounds like I'm avoiding the question and dodging it a little bit but I wouldn't you know that's that's how you have to look at it I mean they these two things work hand in hand um, and I think that's kind of the fun part of the whole draft process is that you find guys you'll watch this weekend and I know that people kind of tune in and out right so you'll watch a little bit and you'll be like okay I watched the receivers for 30 minutes and I wrote down these five names and now all of a sudden we've signed somebody in free agency. And you're like, okay, well, we don't really need that anymore. So that's, the, that's the fun part of this offseason.
1: Chris Rose, NFL network, joining us on the North Olmstead Chrysler Jeep Dodge Ram hotline. Browns are heading back to the Greenbrier next year. What do you think of that?
3: Yeah. Awesome. Good for that. I mean, that's by the way, don't sleep on the fact like that's a major financial investment by ownership. Like I will say this, that's they obviously felt like they got a lot out of it last year. Um, and I would imagine that, that the team bonding and everything else that happened there, uh, probably really helped this team as it was going through injury after injury at main positions. And you know, I mean, I, I don't think you could exactly pinpoint it that, but I imagine it didn't hurt. So go back there, go do exactly the same thing, go have a good week of practice, come back, get ready to face the Vikings and some joint practices, which I think are really, really beneficial to teams. I don't know what the Vikings are going to look like, but I think it's a good idea.
2: Chris Rose is joining us. Caleb Williams, number one pick. You're trading him. You're trading Justin Fields. Bears have been very active. You know, with the trade they made last year, Chris, and now sitting there, I think it's a really interesting decision. Could it blow up on them one way or the other? I, I like Justin Fields, but Caleb Williams is supposed to be an, a a no-brain, can't-miss quarterback prospect. How do you handle that?
3: I think you trade Justin Fields. I mean, I think it's actually pretty simple to be honest with you here. You don't um, – no team has ever traded the first overall pick in consecutive years. In fact, it's only happened, I think, twice before in the history of the common draft since the late 60s, um, and it's never been the same team that's done it. Now, last year, they got a haul. Uh, you could make the argument if they had stuck and taken C.J. Stroud, they would be in a much better position as an organization. I think that Justin Fields has shown improvement. Um, but Caleb Williams is a pretty special player. I think he's really, really, really good. And I don't think that you pass on that. And you reset your quarterback uh, financial time clock by three years, which is a big deal. And you have to keep in mind, it's not just the number one pick. They have number nine as well. So they have the ability to, once they, because there's going to be at least two other quarterbacks taken before the ninth pick and quite possibly three, right? You could have four of the top eight picks be quarterbacks and nobody would be shocked here. So the bears could then come back at nine and get an elite, elite player, whether that's on their offensive line or the best edge rusher in the draft or somewhere else where they need to improve. Um, and then you get whatever you get for Justin Fields.
1: Right now, Chris, it's looking like we're going to end up with quarterbacks going possibly one, two, three. It's is what it seems mm-hmm. like, and of course, it's combine season, and all this stuff evolves six times over. Do you think that's how the draft is going to fall? That we will have quarterbacks going one, two, three.
3: I think so. I, I don't think that New England could afford to to pass on a quarterback. The early indications based on who you, you know, when you're hearing from all the people that are doing the scouting for 2025, is that the, that quarterback class will not be anything close to this one. And so it's not like you could say, okay, well, well, we'll catch the next Uber. Like, no, I don't think that's it. I think if you're New England and you're coming off 25 years of success with Belichick and Brady, and now you have to reshape your thinking, I think this is the time to do it, particularly when there's a guy, whether it's going to be Drake May or Jaden Daniels, that's available at three, that most people feel like can get it done. Now, interestingly, if you want to be history buffs here, this would be the fourth time where quarterbacks went one, two, three. Out of those previous nine quarterbacks, none of them, are Hall of Famers, and most of them are not what you would call elitish or even relatively good. Most. There's a handful, right? It happened in 71. It was Plunkett, Archie Manning, Pastorini. That was probably the best triumvirate. 99, we know it happened with Tim Couch, Donovan McNabb, Akili Smith. And then it happened in 2021, right? So it, you know, those two, those guys are too young to judge still. But Zach Wilson and Trey Lance are, and Lance is already on a second team. Zach Wilson's about to be, and Trevor Lawrence is off to a solid start in his career. But it's just kind of interesting how that stuff unfolded.
2: That, that's uh, that's really true. We heard Andrew Berry yesterday, Chris, and I. I thought he had some interesting things to say about Nick Chubb. How how much of a balancing act is this going to be for the Browns to do what we think is right for one of the best players I think in franchise history, yet right for the Browns while you have a guy who's injured and you're you're so unknown about what his you know future might be as far as the ability to play based on his the injury. I, I think they're in a tough spot. Well.
4: I-
3: Fans are entitled to whatever opinions they want. And, I, you know, you'd be hard-pressed to find a Browns fan who's like, yeah, Nick Chubb's been okay. Like, he has been elite with everything he's done. Yep. On the field, how he handles himself. He just, he seems to mirror what we're all about as Clevelanders. But the one thing we don't know as a fan base is how healthy he is. We can't, you know, he had two separate surgeries on a knee that had to be reconstructed in college. We just don't know the most important detail, which is how close to Nick Chubb can he get? Like, we expect him to be this superhero, and maybe he will be, but there's the possibility that he's not. And so how do you balance that with what you need to pay him, right? I mean, he's not going to come back with a $16 million catnip next year we know that so then the question is how much massaging of that number is he willing to do in order to stay here and this is his livelihood you know for us it's a rooting interest for him it's how he sets himself up for the future and so he needs to uh, make sure that he's taken care of to the best of his abilities while also understanding that there is a risk that the team would be taking as well and so it's I think it's a lot more difficult than just, hey, let's bring back one of the best players in franchise history. I think there's a lot more to it.
1: Chris Rose, the uh, of course, going to be on NFL Network all over the Combine coverage with Charles Davis, Daniel Jeremiah, and everyone else who is a part of it all weekend long. You'll be able to see him on TV as they're uh, introducing and helping all along the way. Though he's also a part of the Rose rotation, which I, I got to well, get a he's, baseball. He's
2: the Rose part of the Rose rotation. I think yes, uh, that would be true. Yeah,
1: you are the rose, but also a part of said thing. But anyhow, that's schematics. Chris, do you have any Shane Bieber expectations this year whatsoever? Because we're starting to see a couple pieces popping up. Going, hey, went to driveline, velocities up, curveballs looking better. Do you have any expectation for Bieber? Yeah, I expect he'll get traded. (laughs) That's that's a heck of an expectation. There it is.
3: That's my expectation. I I think he'll get i think this is um and and by the way i'm not against that i'm not against it i i just um i love Shane beaver i love what he's turned into but i did you know this is kind of the mo of the team right i mean we don't when was the last time we signed a pitcher to a lengthy contract early in his career it's it's been a while right we just don't we don't, it was, I think Kluber,
2: probably, it
3: feels like, isn't that accurate? Maybe yeah, and to...
2: and he actually, you know, it wasn't as early as you would do with a position player. As well. Right,
3: right. I, I think that that's what they're going to have to start doing with things. I know I'm kind of getting off the beaten path a little bit. but You're good, dude. You know, if you see anything that you like out of a guy like a Gavin Williams uh, or Tanner Bybee, early on, I know it's so risky with pitchers because at some point they're going to blow out. Um, but, you know, I, I do think we have to kind of follow suit a little bit with what the Atlanta Braves have done so well. You know, they've they've done it mostly with their position players, but they did it with Spencer Strider. You know, he was just a couple months into a career and that dude's a stud. So, but back to Bieber, um, I do have expectations for him. I, I I think it's great that he went back to kind of reinvent himself and he did it wisely. Here he is in his late 20s and he's about to be a free agent and he should want to do that. And hopefully we're the beneficiaries of a really, really good performance early. And hopefully the team surprises everyone, including myself, a little bit more. And we don't have to trade him. But I, I think that's the way it might lean.
2: Chris, I I know they're probably not quite ready yet, but I look at John Kenzie Noel, and I look at Jonathan Rodriguez, and I see Kyle Manzardo coming up with some hits, and then Chase Delauder hits a home run, and I think, how close are they to having some impact players coming up through the system who can actually hit the baseball? You, You expect any of those guys to start the season with the big club?
3: Well, I don't think that, I mean, Manzardo's the obvious one, right. right? And I think that my guess is because of the service time that they'll hold him down. Uh, I hate it. I, I, it drives me nuts. Once again, if you think that he can play, put the best guys out there, the fans deserve it. Uh, I understand a year of service time is really important, particularly to a franchise like ours, but Like I said, I I really think that we have to start thinking more along the lines of the Atlanta Braves. And that's with obviously not knowing exactly what transpires behind the scenes uh, financially and in those meetings. So I I don't have any insight there whatsoever, but I love the Braves model. I love it. I think that they have done an outstanding job and they've put together this amazing, amazing team. Obviously, their their payroll is significantly higher than ours. Uh, but the philosophy, I think, is something that you can try and duplicate. And Manzardo is a guy um, that I think could fall into that range. I really do.
2: Have fun at the Combine, buddy. We'll be watching. Go get him, man. Certainly will. Chris Rose. Thanks, dude. Talk soon. NFL Network joining us on the North Homestead Chrysler Jeep Dodge. Call from mom. Answer it.
0: Call silenced.
1: Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game.
2: Ram hotline. Could it possibly be, and I don't expect it at the beginning of the season, that this team isn't too far away, our baseball team, from actually having some power hitters, some guys who might scare the opposition in the lineup. I know. And and that was definitely needed uh, some dramatic impact there. So, yes, good. They might be getting close, Dan. Maybe.
1: I'll be real blunt. I sure as hell hope so. I am so tired of watching death by a thousand paper cuts. And especially with today's pitching, you can't death by a thousand paper cuts. It's just too good. Especially the way that these things are going. Like you've got to be able to make pitchers pay, not by sharply hitting a single to the left fielder when they make a mistake. Or if you maybe play your cards right, hitting it up to the wall on a double. On a line drive, it's like, no, you need to make mistakes, go over the fence. Like, we can't, you can't have an offense built around Jose Ramirez hitting home runs and everybody else attempting to hit sharp line drives everywhere. Like, let's start hitting the ball in the air here, kids. Let's start getting this other, this other facet that is important to success. You know, we've, we've seen enough of these teams find success by hitting the ball in the air, and this team needs to become another one. So, yes, I want to see Carl Manzardo hit the ball in the air and hit the ball hard. Uh, the kid yesterday who hit the home run. that Chased I, the lottery. Thank you. That I, I don't think that ball has landed yet. I'm 99% sure that that's currently in orbit. Had kind of a three-quarter swing on it, too. Right. I think that baseball will be found by
2: the lunar module that just landed the other day. That thing was smoked. He, he's a guy who was a first-round draft choice, 2022? Yeah, I think it was 2022. Might have been 21. Who last year worked his way up to A and played in only about six games for the Akron Rubber Ducks. So though he's a real intriguing guy, and he's the highest-rated player on the Indians prospect list, uh, according to MLB.com's Top 100 Prospects, don't expect him to be here. He's 6'4", 235. Hits for some power. That's not necessarily the biggest part of his game. But at 6'4", 235, you know the power's there. Mm -hmm. And it'll come. He's a left-handed thrower, a left-handed hitter. And sooner rather than later, he will be the starting right fielder for this team. Agreed. And
1: if anything, depending Mm -hmm. on how a lot of that looks, he may be the starting center fielder of this team. And we're looking at him going, you know, maybe you should find your way somewhere else, but I want your bat in the lineup. Well, at
2: some point, if it goes really well, I'd be – the guy barely played in double-A. Correct. And very rarely with high prospects do you skip a level. And if if you put him in triple-A to start the season, I would think, Dan, that's skipping a level. Since you only played six games in Akron last year, I would think that you do with him – what the guardians have done with so many guys. And I think it's a great way to do it. All right, go back to double a, you just, you know, you know where the locker room is there. It worked out great. You know how to get to canal park. Terrific. So go there. June going well, boom, you're up in, in triple a. And if, if you're hitting in triple a, you can get a call up real quickly Mm -hmm. And, and keep in mind if, Double-A is oftentimes, I think, the separator for, for baseball players, and especially when you're playing in the Eastern League, which is not a great hitter's league. If you can hit in the Eastern League, you can pretty much hit. And so I would think if he has a, a good start in Double-A and then gets up to Triple-A, we could see him maybe by the end of the year. The one thing about it, you hear other teams bringing up their young guys, and you you, you see 21, 22-year-old guys who are hot prospects, who teams think are ready, and they bring them up and they play them. And I, I think our organization is a little more patient than most. Maybe somebody's financially and you want to hold a guy back like Kyle Manzardo if that happens or whatever. But I, I think between Noel, John Kenzie Noel, who is 21 years old, uh, excuse me, 23 years old, they will be 23 this summer, mm-hmm. Jonathan Rodriguez, who's a little older than that. I, I would think you'll want to get a look at some of these guys, and and forgive me, I, I'm just bringing this up because it's the most recent example <laughs> when they brought up Oscar Gonzalez. Finally, Oscar hit. What happened after that? You know, last year was a mess. Blame Oscar. Blame the team. Blame everybody. But I, I want to see one of these guys up here. And I want to see a big bat in the lineup, Dan. But I I don't know that any of them is ready to go right now. Maybe Manzardo.
1: They need someone who can make you pay for making a mistake. And whether that becomes Kyle Manzardo, or I mean, I'm I'm gonna go a little off the beaten path on you, going away from what the organization has done. Cost three to five million at Adam Duvall, three to five mil at Tommy Pham. Like, I know Tommy Pham's not known for being a huge power hitter, but you got a couple outfielders who are out there who can aid you along the way. Or even if you're, if we're really this concerned about, you know, oh, it's cold in April, it's hard to hit in April. You know, if that's the line we're going to go with, well, then go get a proven veteran who's hit in April and knows what April is and bring them in here for the early part of the season to see if it'll work. Because if you're going to try to trot out what they did last year, You had one year where everything fell perfectly into place in 2020. Everything hit. Everything was great. You got the hits at the right time. And frankly, a good chunk of it probably fell into luck. 2023, if you want to say then it was unlucky, if you want to say regress to the mean, if you want to point to all that kind of stuff, fine. But the philosophy that you had hitting wise, bit you square in the rear end. So you need to change something. And I think that's by bringing in someone who could hit the ball hard. All right, let me let me throw something at you,
2: and I'll just I'll just mention him by name, Jonathan Rodriguez, and yeah, he's got a good arm. He can play right field for you. He's 24 years old right now. Or, yeah, he's 24 right now. He'll be 25 in November. So you're 24. You don't have major league experience at all. And last year. Between Akron and Columbus, you hit 29 home runs with 88 runs batted in, a respectable 286. In fact, more than respectable in this day and age. But you struck out a lot. He's 24. Don't you don't you give a guy like that a look? I'd love to. I mean, I I don't I don't think he's. What more does the guy have to prove? He's got some holes in his swing, which well, is sure, what it's showing. But, but uh, you know, those holes also can translate into home runs. A lot of major leaguers have holes in their swings. Correct. And that's that's the thing to me. The guy's hit for power everywhere he's been throughout the organization. He hit 26 home runs in 2022 between Lake County and Akron. And it, it, at some point, at some point, don't you have to give a guy a chance and, and just and, – and not just the guy – Give a power hitter in your organization a chance to show that he can help you. Yes. And if he can't, then get him out of here. Yes. But which apparently they've done with Oscar Gonzalez. They don't think Oscar can, can do the job, but well, but Dan, you laugh though. But, but here's my, here's my, my fear. If you want to know the truth, Oscar Gonzalez wasn't even thought of very much when he came up and we just started our campaign. Why is this guy in the minors? Well, it wasn't too much longer after that that he came up. He had hit 30 home runs in the minor leagues the year before. The guy showed he had power. He came up here, and he was actually pretty good first year. Yeah. Jonathan he- Rodriguez has shown he's got power. He's 24. What what are you waiting for? And if he can't play, well, get him out. Send send him to Japan. Find the next one. Yes. You've got a few of I- But you've got to take a look. I'm with you. And they seem to
1: be bent on the idea that we are going to take a look at a chunk of these guys who are on the cusp. The question I have, and it's the question that I always have, is, okay, you have an automatic out at Cash. Well, maybe not as much now that Bo Naylor is there. That's the, I can't call that an automatic out the way that I did initially.
2: But center field, if you're you, going to run Miles hope. Straw out there. And supposedly Miles is better conditioned and stronger and everything else, and we'll see. Let's see, I hope. I hope is
1: all I have right now. Hope is a good thing. Hope is the best of things. Okay. And no good thing ever dies. All right. But like it, it's that's an automatic out. If what I've seen in the past is dictates the future, that's, that's two an automatic, automatic out.
2: outs in your lineup. Almost.
1: Well, I, exactly. I, I think Bo Naylor is really good. I hope Bo Naylor catches or at least finds himself in the order for 130 to 140 games this season. That would be outstanding Agreed. if they could run into that. And could could make that work. And you don't know what you're going to have at shortstop. Right field is coin flip. I have no idea what right field is going to be. You could sell me the Will Brennan thing until you're blue in the face. I'm not buying it until I 100% see it consistently. You've stolen Andy's line,
2: blue in the face.
1: Really? Mm-hmm. That's his. I think I've used that way before I met Andy. but I, that's I don't believe you did. Not beside the point. Shortstop is another one. If don't, it, you don't know what you're going to get there. I don't know what I'm going to get there but I know at least history proves that center field is going to be an automatic out right field is question mark that's below league average we could say that with certainty
2: and shortstop is a coin flip so if you've got first second third left that's four out of nine spots Dan
1: mm-hmm. and that's not the recipe for success that I want it to be that's correct and that I need it to be and, and, and some- if you
2: have to if you have to play musical, Big guy, power hitting prospects. Hey, Rodriguez just got 40 at bats. It didn't work. Boom, you're down. Oh, Kenzie yeah. Noel, come on up. Can you do it? You got. You got a chance. Manzardo, I think will get here, and once he's here, I think he'll be here. Mm-hmm. And, and I it, expect that. And if they if they hold him out, then they hold him out, and that's just the way that's going to be. I think once he's up, he's here to stay. At which point, is he your first baseman? Is he your DH? You know, Do you like him better at first than Josh Naylor? They'll have to figure that out. Do you want to rotate those two guys, whatever? Too bad one of them doesn't play the outfield. I know Josh did. I don't think you want to put him back out I don't think you there. want to put him back out no, there I don't if either. you
1: can help it. I don't either. And I think hopefully helps on the way. And in that help, it's either a free agent or it's a trade. because I agree. Or somebody comes up and pops.
0: In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on LinkedIn.com slash recommend today.
2: John Rahm. Congratulations. John Rom, one of my favorite my favorite golfers on the planet. I like his swing, even though he takes the club back about three quarters and that's it. But he absolutely hammers it and he's terrific. And early on in the whole live golf thing, he was one of the big proponents of the PGA Tour. And he thought, basically, to to sum it up, paraphrase it, it was, hey, my best way for my legacy and everything else and to accomplish what I want to accomplish in golf is to be on the PGA Tour. That's That's what he said. But he changed his mind, and he ended up jumping to live golf. And of course, Liv is paying guys like crazy to jump to live golf. And Rom is one of the key guys, you know, when they, when they got Rom to come over, it was a big thing for Liv. He did an interview with ESPN and he he had a couple of top 10 finishes in the opening two tournaments on on live this year. One's in one was in Mexico. One was in Vegas. And so he talked about the switch to live and here's ladies and gentlemen, here's the honest man. he said, I don't want to skip through this point because there's no point. There's just a big change in the way that golfers are getting compensated. And I'd be lying if it wasn't a big part of it in a nutshell. I'm going to get paid more to play the same sport and have more time. I don't know about most people, but that sounds good to me. (laughs) (laughs) It's the dream that all of us want.
1: Hey, do your job. We'll pay you more. Do
2: less of your job. And have
1: you do it less. <laughs> and, and we'll give you more money. And here's a massive check.
2: I Look, I was against Liv. I am still against I'm Liv. I'm still against the Liv tour. I, 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 I'm a traditionalist. I love the PGA tour. I, I think too. it's cool.
1: I do too. I like the four days. I like Thursday to Sunday golf. I like the cut lines. I like all of the different things that come with it. I was locked in for Riviera. I, I'm i not going to lie. I didn't watch the Mexican Open because I watched, I saw the field and went, oh, this is a corn fairy event with Tony Finau in it. That's nice. I'm, I'm done. Um, wow. But, like, hats off to you for it. And especially at this point, we haven't heard anything of the, like, massive fear, which is, you know, all of a sudden at 3 o'clock in the morning, a sheik is going to call you asking to help his nephew chip better which was the <laughs> the fear that everybody had when it, it came it, to it, taking the money from the it, Saudis. It
2: actually really, um, and, and those were the nice things that they feared. Yeah, so it, to our knowledge, that hasn't happened yet. But I get it. I think
1: we'd all do it. I think if somebody came to us and said, hey, the money's going to come from a real shaky spot, but it's green. You're going to do less work, and you're going to play less golf, not per week, but overall, mm-hmm. then add in the fact that you're not playing Thursday to Sunday, you're playing Friday to Sunday. You get to wear shorts. It's a team event. So you, even if you, <laughs> you get to wear shorts, that means a lot for me.
2: It does. It, actually; it, it really does. I'm it's a happier great person. Legs.
1: I'm a happier person. In shorts. They're on display but, all the time. But like you get to, you get to wear shorts. You're going to be in these team events where even if you have an awful day where you can't get a putt to drop to save your life, somebody else on your team may have a wonderful day and that may get you more money
2: <laughs> like... rom continued here and again he was asked why did he change his mind and he said well certain circumstances changed in other words dollars kept flowing and yeah and, zeros and, kept getting added to that and, check. and some of the talk you know that that they kind of have banded together on some certain things and he said, They've agreed to this framework to work together in the future. So that kind of appealed to him. And then he said, and this one's fun. It opened my mind to being a little closed-minded towards this. And maybe I should give myself a chance as an athlete and an entertainer. I think I owe to myself to see the other side out. Well, and you know, they are entertainers. You know, the number zero on the end of numbers does open it up a little bit more. I think my concern biggest was a little bit of the negative media backlash. The way I see it, if you wanted to say, let's say, improve your position, I think you're free to go to job interviews. I have the right to do what I think is best for myself and my family. Period. I've said it before, father, husband, I have a duty. Set myself up family-wise as best as possible. When I watch live, and I've not watched a ton, I feel like I'm watching the Harlem Globetrotters because in that's, that's on me. It's not on live. That's on me. it's, It's just the way I feel about it. It's like, okay, this doesn't count, but it's wildly entertaining. But I, I just get the feel, all right, this doesn't count. They're playing golf for real on the PGA tour. These guys are just out playing golf for money and trying to entertain folks and having nice little team names. And that's, that's, that's me. That, that, I'm wrong on that.
0: Well,
1: but, but it's kind of marketed that way. When you have the music blaring in the background and you have the graphics going on on the side of it, telling you what all these different teams are doing at any given point, teams that you have hardly any idea who is on, teams that you really don't care about. Yeah, because I mean, you know, I don't know how many lifelong yard goat fans there are out there, but there are very few. Love or that. range goats. Sorry, range goat. Not love, yard goat.
2: Love the range goats.
1: Like that's that's part of it. Is your You're basically having to buy into this stuff. You have music playing in the background. Like, it's it kind of feels like we're at the charity golf scramble. Well, it feels like the Globetrotters to me. And you're waiting for... Wildly entertaining. You're waiting for John Rahm to hit the furthest drive and then crush a beer and throw it on the ground. Like, it kind of has that
2: vibe to it. A little bit. Slater is a golf coach, and Slater's in Hinkley, home of the buzzards. All right, Slater. Hey, how are you guys? Good, Slater. Uh
4: I think uh, where a lot of the live versus PGA got, like the, the, the divisiveness came from the guys just that jumped to live, they just weren't honest about it, right? They were like, oh, I'm doing it to grow the game. Well, okay, you're shortening your time playing. You're playing in less events. How exactly is that growing the game, right? Uh, you know, uh, Harold Varner the third who actually has a connection to Ray pa- or, I'm sorry, Renee Powell of, uh, East Canton, Ohio. Mm-hmm. Akron. Native.
2: Um, Varner was born yeah. in Akron.
4: Exactly. Uh, he was one of the first ones that said, yeah, I did it for the money. Yeah. I have a lot of charities that I work for. And yeah, of course, if someone throws $200 million at you, you, you know, most people are g- at the very least going to think about it. I'm in, Right. I'm in. Right. So, um, you know, I've, I've, I just want the divisiveness to end. You know, at the beginning it was, you know, Brooks Kepka, Ian Poulter, guys that I didn't really care about and I thought were uh maybe a little over personality, uh, you know, in when it comes to the, the public. Um but yeah, and they're working out a deal. You know, I I I'm all golf all the time, so
1: Yeah. I think what do you think by the Masters we'll probably hear about it? That'd be my guess.
4: Well, I think with the Joaquin Neiman addition to the Masters uh, you know, cause that, that, I mean, you know, masters is invite only basically Right. and them inviting him who, you know, they're that's, that's a big invite. So, you know, I, I think one, a lot of people just want to get it over with, you know, Roy McIlroy has changed a lot of his uh, language towards uh, live golf. Um, you know, at the tiger still, you know, John Rahm hasn't heard from tiger since John jumped to live. So, you know, it's, and, you know, his position in it is, you know, he's, you know, a player rep and things like that, so he's got to, you know, kind of walk a, a tight line. But, yeah, I mean, you know, the, that Mexico Open, I think, I mean, I love that that tournament, but, you know, if there were some more bigger names in that tournament, you know, it you just have more viewers on every weekend instead of, you know, just a couple weekends here and there. Yeah, you – the elevated
1: Slater, event, thank you. Yeah, the elevated event thing is, hap- is helping. I mean, it was – the The California swing was awesome. The Florida swing coming up. When you get to the Arnold Palmer and you get to the players and all that stuff, are going to be great watches for anybody who enjoys golf out there. The elevated events have helped, but yeah, you start getting some of these Mexico Opens and that stuff, and it's like, oh, this is this isn't a field I'm dying to tune into. Though Puerto Vallarta is quite pretty.
2: So I've heard. Mm-hmm. So I've heard.